That 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 whole outfit's just go Bowie, go Bowie, go go Bowie. He just kind of a, like a leather vanilla ice. Today on from A to Ziggy, Beauty and the Beast. Welcome to From A to Ziggy, the podcast where we talk about every single David Bowie song in alphabetical order. We listen to them too. We listen to them and then we talk about them. Sometimes we listen to <laughs> Sometimes them. Sometimes we listen to them. Sometimes we make things up. Uh, my name is Travis. My name is Thomas. And today we are discussing Beauty and the Beast. Oh no, not that Beauty and the Beast, Disney heads. This is a totally different Beauty and the Beast. Also not that Beauty and the Beast, Jean Cocteau heads. <laughs> We covered all our bases. Now we've whittled out all the other Beauty and the Beast fans. And now we've got our our core lovers of 70s DNA of synth pop. Kraut rock. Kraut rock. Uh, so yeah, Beauty and the Beast from 1977's Heroes album. Lead track on the album. First track, yeah. And uh, yeah, it starts out with this uh, kind of tape sound, like uh, kind of a zoop, like, like a tape machine starting up and... Uh, if you, if you got some versions of the CD, I think some of the RCA ones in the early days, in the 80s, uh, left, I guess some mastering engineer heard it and they kind of left, left that part out because they figured it was a mistake and they just sort of chopped off the beginning. But I think all the CD versions now have the tape sound intact. So you're safe. Don't worry. It's okay. <laughs> you can, you have that. It's still pure. Yeah. And this is it's a very good way to kick off an album. It's very just energetic. It gets right to the point. It gets right to the point, which was his whole point. Getting away from the early 70s sound where it's kind of all over the place musically and oh yeah, more experimental. Is this the one structures. that's it's it's basically one chord through the throughout and then it's got kind of a it's got a bridge where yeah. it changes and does things, but it's mostly just this one it's mostly one chord and, you know, a nice rhythm and cool backing. I mean, it's not, it's not one chord, like, boring, like no. droning. There's so much going on around that one chord. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fun song. And, um... Energetic. There's a lot of motion to it. Yeah. And in the lyrics, too. It's like, it starts out with motion. He's going down the road, right? Yeah. He mentions road twice. And he, uh, it's very catchy in the way that he just, he, every few lines he, you know, repeats, you can't say no to the beauty and the beast. And so it's coupled with these nice little lines that play off each other very well. And it gets, it, this is kind of when he is in that phase of no longer trying to tell stories or trying to have a narrative. It's just words that sound fun and play off each other well. And, uh, my, my favorite little factoid about the song that I read was, the, uh, in relation to how he just kind of was throwing in inside jokes and little non-sequiturs and everything and mm -hmm. uh, the the line my my someone fetch a priest you can't say no to beauty and the beast was oh. the playoff of where that comes from tony visconti's in studio curse which is so brilliant it's such a brilliant curse and i wish that like like i wish i could yell that at work sometimes when someone does something ridiculous so it's like it's kind of like uh the scene from the a christmas story yes uh it's not fetch he says a different F word. Yes. But he would say it in the studio, right? When something went wrong, is that what? Yeah. That was? that was the impression I got from that paragraph, was that when something His went curse wrong. was, it, it was something, someone fetch a priest. Yeah. It was a different, insert a different F word there. Yeah. Which I might just yell fetch a priest at work <laughs> from now on. Like, ah, oh, how are we all out of cones? Someone fetch a priest. <laughs> yeah, right. It's, <laughs> it's both, it's brilliantly, like, 
vulgar and blasphemous, which yeah. I love. I love vulgarity and blasphemy. Who They're doesn't? Glorious things. Right? Yeah, I love that too. I love that story. This is, uh, this is our first song from Heroes, right? Yeah, first, our first official one. We, yeah. had, we had a B-side earlier. Yeah, um, an outtake, Abdul-Majid. Yeah, our, our first episode. Our first episode was an outtake from Heroes. This is a lot more upbeat. We've done a few songs from Low. It's a lot more upbeat than it is. Low. It, and it's, it sort of sets that tone right off the bat with this, with this opening track, right? It really sets up a twist in that, how it just completely changes moods in the second half, too. Not the song, the album. Uh, yeah, right. And I think just have such a brilliantly peppy opener. And the, the first, basically the whole first half is just very, so I was listening to it on my, and on my earbuds at work uh, on Wednesday when I was, I was working. I work at Macy's. And I'm like running around trying to stock things. And it was like the perfect, like it's 7 a.m. And I'm trying to like function like a human and get things done in a timely manner. It's kind of like bop it along. And then the second half comes and I'm just kind of like, all right. <laughs> Work slows down. Slows down a little bit. Your and then because like there's so many drone, like this, a lot of the second half songs drone so much that like it allowed the booming pop music that I'm trying to like drown out with my earbuds kind of like sink in a little bit too. Yeah. But then it created these like interesting little mashups. Did you record any of them? I wish I had. Put them up on YouTube. Would have made all the songs so much better. <laughs> um, yeah, what else about Beauty and the Beast? Backing vocals by uh, Antonia Moss. That's a double A, double S. Or a double A, and then I guess it would be a, you know, that, that funny double S symbol uh, that the Germans have. I guess. I guess. <laughs> uh, Antonia Moss, club singer in... Berlin at the time, who in the middle of, so she, she does the My My and the, and the Darling. She also, at some point, instead of saying Darling, says Liebling, which uh, I Googled. And uh, I Googled it for you, listener. Uh, it means Darling in German. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not like she's not sneaking in any, you know. It's not subliminal messages. Yeah, right. Um, and this is, uh, the, um, the reviews on this, uh, on the album, I thought were very... There were some interesting notes on how this was received when it came out. Uh, Patti Smith was writing a, uh, a review of it for Hit Parader and spoke to some German music fans. And uh, she, uh, she quoted a group of German teenagers who said they, they had kicked Bowie out of rock and roll, calling him Cabaret. And this song, definitely, if you're expecting a rock and roll song, would piss you off quite a bit because it's very... It's, it's a what would be a pop song at that time like motown via berlin that's interesting i never i've never gotten that impression i guess i don't really know what cabaret means just like, like show tunes body yeah this doesn't strike me as that it's it's got a very hard sound to it it's got pretty distorted guitars and things going on it's a moog like bassline it's just really kind of growly you know yeah i've never i don't i don't get that maybe maybe at the time it was you know more Unexpected. He's got some cabaret stuff. Like early on, he, a lot of his like singer-songwriter stuff was more like that. Like over the wall we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they the the German youth youths were dismissive. Yeah. Of heroes, the album when it came out, right? Who knew? Yeah. <laughs> Who knew that the Germans at that time weren't into peppy music? Mm. They preferred the the brooding of low. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. How was Low received in Germany? 
No, that didn't come up on, on here. So, but, uh, I mean, the German Germans had Kraftwerk at that time? Is that right? Yeah, they, yeah, they were, like, just starting to kind of which is establish themselves. It's not peppy, but it, it's got a beat to it. I, yeah. think of, I think of anything with a drum machine as having, you know, kind of a beat to it. But it's still, it's kind of, it's kind of droning. Yeah. It's not this. It's not Beauty and the Beast, where it's really fun, really driving, both literally and figuratively. It's got a good beat. And he's talking about beat. going places. He also talks about, uh, seems like he's mentioning possession, like spiritual possession, because he says, someone else inside me. Immediately after that is when he says, someone fetch a priest, like an exorcist, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, in the first half of that, of that verse, he's saying something's in the way, there's slaughter in the air. Like it's a just, yeah, dark, ominous feeling. Maybe he is feeling possessed. Um, but again, this seem it seems kind of like a, it's not really a cut up, but it's, it's, it doesn't seem to have any clear central theme. It's another of Bowie's kind of obscure lyrics, which I love. I, I love not really knowing what's going on. I love the texture of words, just making it, uh, what it is. I like songs like this where you can also kind of apply it to anything. Sometimes it's, it's more interesting to find a song and really dig for a meaning and finding your personal meaning for it rather than something that's just very clearly in your face. Yeah. Um, like, oh, this song's totally speaking to me. Well, actually, it's speaking to everybody because it's a basic feeling that everybody's had before. But with this, you really have to dig inside and find what it means to you. Like, it, this slaughter that's upon us and right. this possession. Yeah. Is it an actual demonic possession? Is it a possession of some kind? Is it something ominous in one's own life? As far as lyrical interpretations go, I'm looking at Nicholas Pegg's book, and he surmises that maybe this is, a, in his words, a recantation of the ugly underside of his thin white duke phase and an exploration of the undesirable inner character unleashed during his drink and drug binges. So, um, yeah, just this sort of evil or, I guess in that case you'd say more... Yeah, un undesirable, like he says, or like, uh, you know, something bad. My words are failing me. <laughs> it's been a long day. Yeah. Again, this is the, all of the Berlin era was, was Bowie rehabilitating and, you know, reevaluating, changing things. Oh, I guess we should mention that it was, in fact, a single. Yes. Um, and performed p very poorly yes. as a single. Uh, yeah, I was just reading this. It came to uh, number 39 was its highest slot. Is that what you're Yeah. Says? And it's funny because if you, if, if you took someone who didn't really know a lot about pop music of that era or David Bowie and you played them Heroes and this song back to back and just said, knowing what you know about pop music now or what constitutes being a popular song which one do you think sold more i think more people would think this song because it's got the bigger hooks and it's more lively whereas heroes kind of it's not a toe tapping song yeah you think of singles and you think of things people want to dance to this seems more like a danceable number than heroes is heroes is more but heroes gets you sort of right here it does and i'm pointing to my chest uh, that's where my heart is <laughs> it moves you in a, a different kind of way it does Speaking of dancing, there was a disco version of Beauty and the Beast. It was labeled a disco version. There was a 12-inch single that came out. And so, of course, on the 12-inch, there's more space. So you fill it up with more music. So what they did is they kind of spliced it and repeated the verse and a chorus, I think, 
Um, and so they made a slightly longer version, called it the disco version. Now, I don't know how you feel about the 80s and extended mixes, extended versions of songs. Um, some people are pretty, pretty down on them. I have mixed feelings. I love them. I love them. I love them when they don't try to introduce clever, different sounds to them, like movie samples and all kinds of sounds that weren't in the original version. But I just love getting more of the music, especially if they don't do the thing that they did in this song, which is just essentially take the tape and repeat it. But if, you, if they do it where they isolate some of the instruments and just give it long, long, maybe like a longer, you know, the way this song builds up yeah. gradually at the beginning, if they extend that and just give us more instruments, a slower build, or like just break it down in the middle and just give us the beat and then like build the instruments back up. That's the kind of... I love yeah, I, I'm on board with that. I'm definitely on board with that. But yeah, the ones where they just make them repeat a chorus an extra time or something. Yeah, I got I, I no need for that. I mean, I could do that in GarageBand. Yeah. Why buy, why buy the Why waste the money? Because they didn't have that in the 80s, though. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, so the, yeah, there's, there's an extended version. Big fan of extended versions. But this one is not really essential. Uh, I was able to find at least one really good live version of it. Uh, was it from one, stage? It was... Taped on a TV show. I oh, believe. I don't know this one. Um, was there was there video? Yeah. Oh, um, cool. Let's see if I can pull it back up. Yeah, it was uh, it was this one. I guess I'll have to just edit this part out. Yeah, so he introduces that one, <clears throat> and he calls it a very schizophrenic song. Which is weird, because I don't get that impression. What, yeah, what does he mean by that? I don't know. Did he analyze that on the blog? He said that saying that maybe it's a bipolar song would be more accurate. But even that, like, I feel like when, when someone says a song is schizophrenic or bipolar, I almost feel like it's a song that, you know, goes very high-low, high-low. The song itself, yeah, right. The this, album I could understand because the album—that's a yeah, that's a bipolar album. Has very different sides, but schizophrenic. Interesting. Maybe that's the demonic possession, of the person inside. Yeah, someone yeah. else inside. I guess it's more of a look at the lyrics than more of a, the sound of the song because the sound of the song is very—I don't want to say straightforward, but certainly doesn't change all that so, much throughout. It's the same. It's continuous. Yeah. Anything else about Beauty and the Beast? Um, yeah, it's just a really cool song. It's a really, it's, just, it's an earworm, but a demented earworm. This, yeah, this is a good way to start an album. Yeah. It really just sets the mood and uh, it hits the ground rolling. It's really good. Yeah. Um, how good do you think it is? How good do I think it is? It reached number 39 in the singles charts. What and think? I think that is, I think that's poppycock. I think that song should have done way better commercially. I'm going to give this song, this is one of those times where I realize I've been way too liberal with the three and a halfs. So I feel like this would be a solid three and a half, but I like it better than a lot of the other songs I've given three and a halfs to. So I'm mm -hmm. going to give it three and three quarters, criminally low chart positions. Three and three quarters. Not, what keeps it from the four? I feel like four, you're really starting to get into rarefied air. But, well, that would be five then, right? Well, five is just like, five, five is like your... Why not make... Uh, why not just be committal and just go for it? Why not make... Well, I'm not going to I'm not gonna try to change your mind or anything, but um, but why not make... I'm trying to remember the Spinal Tap line. Why not make... About turning it up to 11? Yeah, why not make five louder and just uh, 
make that make that the cap, and then make, <laughs> why not just make four louder and call things four? Have you rated anything four yet? I don't think I have actually, because I'm pretty sure the highest I've done so far was Ashes to Ashes. I think I gave that. I think I turned that to. I think I gave that like a seven out of five. Yeah, we, we, yeah, that, that <laughs> one, yeah, that one got a perfect score from both. So of us. if we're setting, the, if we're going to use that as the standard so far, I am willing to rethink this, and I will give this song four. Okay, Ashes to Ashes got a five. If, from both uh, of us. Yeah. And yeah, so well, I didn't make a five louder. I'm still going to seven on that one. Okay. <laughs> so four, four, four. What was it? Four criminally low chart positions. Criminally low chart positions. I would also give this one four criminally low chart positions for all the reasons that I said. Yeah. Let's see. Any other versions? Uh, any covers? All I found was just, yeah, just the just the couple. We heard a live, live version. version. Yeah. Uh, there's a live version on stage. Um, it's a good song. It's fun. It's a very fun, but not, but it's not like, it's not saccharine. It's not like yeah. sugary pop. It's, Maybe that's it's what good. he means by uh, schizophrenic. It's fun, but it's dark. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's what he Maybe means. That, maybe we were just thinking about things too literally. Yeah. All right. So someone fetch a priest because uh, this episode is dead. No? Uh, what's the next song? Uh, because You're Young. There you go. That's, that's <laughs> our segue. Um, and I know we kind of debated whether I feel like I just, I have to, even though it's like, I don't want to like bring things down, but I feel like I have to mention Prince. I feel like it is my duty as a music lover. So 2016, you suck. You're the worst because we started this series on the down note with David Bowie. And this is a very similar situation. We lost Prince today and that sucks. And it's, he was only 57. I guess he had been sick for a little while. It's odd to have two artists of such similar standing go within such a short amount of time. Um, and that they're both, I look at Bowie and Prince kind of the same way and that they're just synonymous with just really cool. Even though they're artists that are immensely popular and tons and tons and tons of people love, when someone makes reference to Prince or David Bowie, you just know that that's someone that gets it. Like that's someone who has cool taste in music, who's open-minded, who's not afraid to be challenged. Yeah, he's a freaking genius. It's like when, it is, it's exactly like when Bowie went. And it's just like, a, just an amazingly brilliant person that you were just kind of like, oh my God, it's actually possible for that person to die. Like I didn't know Prince was mortal either. Like right. this is like, not only, it's not just like processing a brilliant artist leaving, it's having to process the very idea of death itself, like that it can actually, Death can't take Prince. He's Prince. Prince goes beyond death. Bowie goes beyond death. Right. So, and I do, I just like two, I got a, two, like a couple of my favorite Prince memories here. Last spring, I was coming home from work and they have the free record box sometimes outside of Deep Thoughts. Local record store. Local record store that everyone should go to because that's a great record store. But uh, they had the box outside of free stuff and they, and I saw Purple Rain. Uh, and I got super excited, but then I looked even closer and it was only the, the single of Purple Rain. Uh, and then like a month or so later on record store day, we had gone to Planet Records in Cambridge and rummaged around and found Purple Rain for like eight bucks with like a special edition poster on the inside. Nice. It was just such an exciting find because uh, when we got a record player, that was on our list. Like, okay, we got to get Rumors. We, I got to get tons of Beatles. Gotta get Purple Rain. And when we found that, it was just such an accomplishment. It always makes cooking dinner so much more fun. Like, it's just like you can't have not have fun when you're listening to Purple Rain. And even further back, uh, we rented 
that movie on VHS from the library in Providence. And me and my old roommate Corinne and my good friend Johanna watched it and we were just like going crazy to the parts with Morris Day in the time. And uh, just uh, when he pisses off the club owner playing Darling Nikki, it's just, it's a, God, a great movie, a great soundtrack, tremendous loss. So people should listen to so much. I mean, you should be listening to lots of Prince anyway, but especially today, listen to so much Prince and listen to David Bowie and be like, damn it, 2016. We need to, everyone just needs to be checking in to make sure Paul McCartney's okay, like every half hour. Because <laughs> God damn it. And the weird irony is today I was at work and I heard two Billy Squire songs back to back on the radio. And because this year has gone the way it has for musicians, I instantly like went into the office and Googled Billy Squire to make sure he wasn't dead. So I was very relieved when I got on Google and I saw Billy Squire still alive. And I got home and I found out freaking Prince is dead. It's just like, oh man. Did you, did you ever visit that site, Is Abe the Goda Dead? <laughs> I, I, I've seen links to it, but I've never, I actually found out about that website like maybe a week before Abe Vigoda died. Oh man, you know, I didn't realize, I didn't know when Abe Vigoda died. So I've been checking, I, <laughs> I used to check it like once a year, basically. When I checked it in 2016, you know, after all of these people had died, I checked it again and it turns out it had died in when, like 2012, something like that. No, he just died like this year. No. Yeah. Was it? Yeah, it was actually within the last several months, I feel like here, man. So there should be, yeah, there should be an is, is Billy Squire dead dot com. <laughs> is, I'm going to go register all those uh, domains. Yeah. Died, yeah, January 26th. So only like two weeks after Bowie. Oh, jeez. So, yeah, that's a jarring and shocking year. He was probably even more individual, more of an individual than Bowie was. He was just fearless and like yeah, totally. I just going decided, off the wall, just totally left field. Yeah, I'm just gonna change my name to an unpronounceable symbol. Just, he just was brilliant. daring. So I might, we'll, we'll have to post some videos of some cool print stuff. And if I forget that I said I'm gonna do this. Listener, he was on SNL about a year ago. And instead of doing two performances, he just went for like 10 minutes. <laughs> And it, yeah, it was unreal. It was absolutely unreal. Was it one 10 minute song or was it like a medley? Uh, I believe it was just two songs, like two of his new songs. And it was... Just back to back? Yeah. But he just never stopped. He just, yeah, he was incredible. Well, when you get Prince on your show, you don't make him wait. You don't make Prince wait. You let Prince do whatever he wants. You don't make him wait in the green room for the second performance. (laughs) <laughs> Which reminds me, uh, a lot of people have been sharing Prince memories on social media today. And this music writer I follow talked about how he went to see Prince one time and he finished his set and didn't come out to do an encore for another hour. <laughs> and everyone stayed. Like they never turned the lights up. Everyone just sat there for an hour and waited for Prince to come back out. And he did. And I would imagine it was worth it. I wish I could have seen him live. Oh. So, yeah, horrible loss. Sucks about Prince. His music will live on, much like Bowie. And God damn it, the Afterlife band just gets even better and better this year. I guess oh, yeah. if you want to be glass half full about it. Sure. Somewhere out there, Bowie and Prince and Lemmy are doing something unbelievable. Yeah. Can't wait to get where they are. Yeah. But you'll have to wait for a little while, Travis. You and I both will. because yeah. Yeah, Well, you'll have to wait anyway because, well, I mean, because you're young. Yes. Which, by the way, is... Yes, that's our next song. The next song. Well, knock on wood, anyway. I mean, you could die young. 
The next song we're going to do is Because You're Young. Yes. Uh, tune in Wednesday. Uh, until then, you can catch up with us on Facebook and Twitter from A to Ziggy. From A to Ziggy.com, you can leave a message on the page for this episode. What did you think of Beauty and the Beast? What else? You can email us at podcast at from A to Ziggy.com. Want to be a guest on your favorite David Bowie podcast that discusses his songs in alphabetical order? Email us, podcast at formatedziggy.com. Subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating and a review. That's important. Uh, it helps us to get noticed. Uh, tune in again on Wednesday. Uh, until then, I am Thomas. And I am Travis. Uh, <laughs> how, how do we end this? Uh... <clears throat> yeah. Until then, I'm Thomas. And I am Travis. Let's just keep repeating that. <laughs> and you're never going to forget who we are. Vinyl, VHS, what other check marks do we need to hit? My roommate was actually sitting on the back porch playing some ukulele when I left the house today. (laughs)